are listening to Cover Stories, a deep dive into the stories behind iconic album art with Adam Charlie O. There is a general agreement about how this album got its name, but there are also myriad versions differing in the tiny details of who said what and when. Eric Clapton said the group was driving around in a big Austin Westminster one day, playing at names for the record, like Elephant Gerald, a play on Ella Fitzgerald's name. Mick Turner, a roadie who had been with Ginger Baker for a long time, was driving along when the conversation turned to bicycles. Clapton wanted a racing bicycle, and Turner said something like, Has it got them Disraeli gears? when he meant the Rawlier gears. His brain-to-tongue process was apparently interrupted by the ghost of 19th century British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli. Everyone in the car broke up, and the band decided that would be the album title. Had it not been for Taylor, the album would likely have had the eponymous title Cream. An alternate version says it was Baker and Jack Bruce discussing the bike, and it was Bruce's fall Poe, oops, I mean faux pas, that gave birth to the name. Album art histories are full of alternate versions. Clapton saw some artwork in an exhibition by Martin Sharp and was impressed by Sharp's distinctive style. A chance meeting at London's Speakeasy nightclub in early 1967 led to Clapton asking Sharp to create the cover to Cream's second album, Disraeli Gears. Sharp said of the chance meeting, I just started chatting to Eric. I told him I had written a poem. He in turn told me he'd written some music, so I gave him my poem. Two weeks later, he turned up with it on a B-side of a 45 record. The song was Tales of Brave Ulysses, The music was Clapton's, the words were Sharp's. They found common ground in their shared appreciation for art and music, and that led to a collaboration and friendship that would last decades. Sharp moved into a residential studio space at the top of an old building named Pheasantry, located in Chelsea at 152 Kings Road, a building where Clapton also had a flat. Several Aussie expats lived there, including Bob Whitaker, the Beatles photographer. Whitaker photographed the Beatles between 1964 and 1966. His best-known work for them was the Butcher cover, the original cover for the 1966 U.S. release, Yesterday and Today. It was recalled by Capitol Records when it met with immediate outrage. Whitaker took most of the photographs found on the rear cover of Disraeli Gears, and the inner sleeve as well. Jim Marshall is also credited for some of the photography. Martin Sharp, an Aussie in London, said he found his Disraeli Gears cover art inspiration in a Cambodian sculpture when he visited there on his way from Oz to the motherland. He said, On my way to England, I'd gone there, and in one of the towns I visited, there were these amazing sculptures with faces on each side, and huge trees growing out on top of these sculptures. Over the years, these great trees had taken root and grown. I suppose I thought that was a bit like the band, 
where you could see the three of their faces and the music coming out of their heads. Sharp deserves a closer look. Born in 1942, he was an innovator of psychedelic art and one of the founders of the underground magazine Oz. He became Australia's pop artist extraordinaire. Oz was a counterculture magazine at a time when Sydney's culture scene was at its most conservative and repressive. Sharp said Oz was against ignorance, intolerance, and corruption. It was largely his witty social and political observations conveyed via cartoons that made Oz successful. In 1968, while in London, he attended a concert by the American singer Tiny Tim. He became obsessed with the performer and spent over a decade making Street of Dreams, a film tribute to Tiny Tim, to the bemused puzzlement of most people. Sharp, an artist and creative individual, was known to have experimented with psychedelic substances. During the counterculture movement of the 1960s and 70s, artists experimented with psychedelic substances. The rest of us just used drugs. His work reflected the influence of these experiments, incorporating vibrant colors, intricate patterns, and surreal imagery into his work. Disraeli Gears is a prime example of the psychedelic art of the era. This could have easily been a best-selling Dayglow blacklight poster as an album cover. The cover art of Disraeli Gears is considered one of the most iconic and influential album covers of its era. It captures the psychedelic aesthetic of the time perfectly. Sharp drew inspiration from various sources, including Hindu art, Tibetan mandalas, such as Salvador Dali. These influences contributed to the mythical and otherworldly nature of the cover art. He used various techniques to bring his vision for this album to life. He used collage as the primary technique for creating the artwork. He collected a wide range of visual materials, including photographs, illustrations, and printed images from diverse sources, such as magazines, books, and newspapers. Then, using scissors and glue, Sharp meticulously cut out and arranged the different images he had gathered, layering them to create a complex and visually striking composition. This photomontage technique allowed him to combine disparate elements and create a surreal and dreamlike effect. The background was built up of doodle-like patterning combined with decorative material from older engravings that created a dynamic, explosive halo around a photograph of the trio. The cover art was created by applying fluorescent paint over this black-and-white collage, resulting in a psychedelic composition of layered imagery. Sharp hand-painted certain elements onto the artwork. He added vibrant colors, intricate patterns, and other details to enhance the psychedelic and otherworldly atmosphere of the design. His work included collaboration with photographer Bob Whitaker, who took the distorted photographs of the band members. These photographs were incorporated into the collage, serving as the basis for the fragmented and kaleidoscopic portrayal of Ginger Baker, Jack Bruce, and Eric Clapton on the cover. The dominant color is that hard-to-describe, bright, eye-catching, psychedelic uh, orange-pink-red that really has no name. It immediately draws one's attention. 
The central design is an intricately detailed assemblage of vibrant and swirling patterns, exotic plants, flowers, surreal objects, and psychedelic elements, some of them recognizable, some of them not. Together, they create a mesmerizing visual effect. The overall imagery perfectly captures the spirit of the 1960s counterculture and the psychedelic rock movement that was gaining popularity at the time. Beneath the band members' faces, the album name floats on drapery, surrounded by flowers, scrolls, and psychedelic images and shapes. Now let's take a closer look. Got your cover image nearby? Look at it now. Here's a fun game to play as you toke your medical marijuana. See how many of these objects you can find. At the top, there's a woman looking in a mirror at her reflection. Is that an eye in the flower at Baker's ear? Three hairy overlapping heads with the hair contoured as a mountain range. Lots of flowers and flowery shapes surround the band. A man-faced sun image where hair has become the sun's flames is found in the upper far left. Images that may or may not be faces or fishes in the flower petals are sprinkled throughout. A green-faced woman, her arms spread wide as if across the back of a sofa, is holding a ribbon with the album name on it. The band name is supported by an elaborate set of wings, evocative of 1523 Albrecht Dürer's engraving, Armorial Bearings of the Dürer Family. Is that a water tap handle to the left and just below the title? That is a photograph in the corresponding position on the right side of the cover. Below that photograph, the six front hooves of horses, or possibly unicorns, appear. At first glance, they look like four bony fingers of something or someone undead. Two peacocks preen beneath the band name. Parts of two clock faces flank the temple scene on either side at the bottom of the cover. A cabinet of flowers graces the bottom left. A boulevard of columns invokes the image of a Cambodian temple. Okay. It's time to go get some Twinkies and host the snowballs. We'll keep looking later. Sharp soon received another commission from Clapton for the cover of Cream's next record, the half-live, half-studio double album, Wheels of Fire. Sharp continued his artwork for various other artists over the following years, the bulk of which were spent working with American oddball Tiny Tim. Sharp passed away in 2013. Let's hit the pause button and chat a bit. So I'm heartened today by news I came across on the internet. Did you hear there's an upcoming Rolling Stones album? No! Yes, what? There, Stones? Well, there is. They're still together? They're, they are still together. Oh my god! I wouldn't have known this if I hadn't <laughs> followed a hotly tipped Instagram account. Uh, <laughs> cover stories underscore Charlie underscore and underscore Adam. There Give us go. a follow. We don't sleep to keep you all up to date. We don't. It's a, it's a great balance of earth-shattering music <laughs> announcements and uh, visual minutiae. But alas, that's not why we're here today, right? Right. In the great pantheon of 60s and 70s rock riffs, not written by a dude named Richards, Page, or Hendrix, a few stand alone. And this one may be one of the biggest. Let's do this together. 
That's right. Disraeli Gears, the album that missed its chance to start the album with Sunshine in Your yeah, Love. Yeah, yeah. How did they do that? Wow. Who, who made that decision? So, you know, they go again, they go instead with Strange Brew. So imagine, if you will, the album starting with that riff instead of the pensive psychedelic trip of that opening uh, <laughs> opening song. But then again, you look at this cover, they weren't going to do anything by the book, right? Yeah, and, and maybe that was a token up song, you know, that you, you're just sort of easing into the music <laughs> and getting your pipe straight and all that stuff. And, that's true. And, yeah. You're done scraping the res by right, track right, two. Right, right. Um, so it is perhaps one of the most drugged out vibes uh, <laughs> conjured by any cover we've discussed. What do you think about that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that's stranger to me, but it's stranger for different reasons, <laughs> you know, anger and, and different genres of music. But yeah, yeah, this is a pretty druggy kind of kind of song. You know, they, they talk about Santana being psychedelic, and I think, nah, no, Santana's Latin. This is psychedelic. This is quite psychedelic, yeah. quite psychedelic. So... The origin of the album name also seems just as much muddled <laughs> by memory, right? This could have yeah. just as easily been called Israeli beers or any other slip of the tongue, right? That's right. So That's right. How'd this come together? Well, you know, if, if you listen to the story a bit ago, there there's pretty broader agreement that somebody was going to buy a 10-speed a bike and somebody uh, blew the Duralli or whatever the hell it is. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it came out the Israeli gears. And uh, who said what to whom when? There are a lot of versions of that, but we found that there are a lot of versions to album cover art stories. I think you know, yeah, depending on who you speak to. But yeah, it was a slip of the tongue, and they were out, you know, just kind of uh, uh, riffing some, you know, uh, with the different names that they could come up with, and they had nothing cooking, so this is what they came up with. It it's um, unusual, but it's it probably is. better than cream. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you don't want to start your. Uh, that's the way they were leaning. Come, go back with cream. If if they hadn't come up with this, if it's not your debut, you can't self-title an album. That's just right. my personal rule. Yeah, <laughs> um, unless you're Led Zeppelin. Well, yeah, that's that's a good point. But so it's ultimately just an inside joke, right? Yeah. So the content of the cover, in my opinion, becomes immaterial at that point. Doesn't really matter <laughs> what you call it yeah. if you're throwing it on top of this album cover. But they sure went for it. Um, so, so tell me here, you know, the alcohol certainly plays a big part of most of these album or most of these band members history. So a chance meeting taking place at a speakeasy uh, really seems fitting. So this yeah. artist Spark, Sharp, sorry. Yeah. Okay. So it meets Martin Sharp. They have a, a quick and newfound appreciation for each other. Their shared interests, art. What's the deal with this? This apartment building. I mean, it's a studio apartments, artist studio apartments. Yeah, yeah, and it seems to be one of those places that just attracts yeah. uh, people, you know, Australians, expats, and and musicians, and that sort of thing. But I think it's probably a mini Laurel Canyon thing that happened many times in different places around the world, where you know people would kind of uh, drift together. It's just like you know, here we have the the Korean enclaves where people came to you know Maryland, and they're all looking for like-minded souls so i think that's probably just a a normal thing for we humans yeah it's yeah just a an artist takeover of a particular yeah. block yeah. so to speak. yeah um but yeah let's get into it 
I'd say you don't even need to verify <laughs> that Sharp did experimental, quote unquote, experiment or did psychedelic experiments yeah. to basically guarantee that he was into drugs. Yeah, he was heavily into his experiment when he made this one. Yeah, very clearly. So the cover, it's it's practically dripping with LSD and magic mushroom tea. You can just see it in its yeah, movement. And, and it's, it's, it's a black light poster. Yes, if there well ever said. was a black light poster, this is it. If if this has not been made into a black light poster, that is a huge opportunity missed. Well, it was. Yes. Oh, it was. Okay, there you go. I, I'm guessing <laughs> Dad had it here. But so the resulting piece is wild, to put it mildly. And you really reference some some interesting things in your in your research. I can definitely see the Salvador Dali influence. Yeah, yeah. And, you know the the intricate hypnotic mandalas that inform the piece. It also just has that. You know, I, I hate to use the term because I think it's overused when talking about this era, but the flower power, you know, it, oh, it yeah, really yeah, embodies yeah, that. Yeah, it's, yeah, the trippy the, the trippy blossoms and stuff and all the colors. And, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but the process in which Sharp made the art sounds equally free-spirited. Yeah, it I sounds neat, actually, cool. you know, with scissors and paper and scissors and cutting out things you like, paste them on a board and then paint over them and add some paint to it it sounds sounds like even i could do that maybe not to album art cover quality well you could do it don't know what we come up with i what, what what really begs the question for me though is did the band just give him full free reign to do whatever he wanted because it feels like it's very hands-off and whatever you come up with yeah, is gonna be cool. they, they were probably back into speakeasy drinking and Sharp was over there token and, and sure was. And that was a fine marriage, a fine business operation. Yeah. You do what you do, we'll do what we do. Yeah. His uh, his technique, you know, if you can call it that, I think it's pretty yeah, free spirited, free wheeling. Sure. So his collage technique sounds pretty cool. It wasn't long after pop art had kind of first brought collage art into the public consciousness, you know, in, in the sixties and hmm. really had it you know, it was more seriously considered as an art form, whereas it may not have been before. But I like that he combined a litany of disparate styles and sort of makes it his own. Um, but are you sniffing out my hot take yet? I don't know if... Uh, uh, I got an inkling that this is not going to be in your top three album covers. It's not. I, you know... <laughs> I really dislike the album cover, which almost makes it more interesting to talk about for me. Um, you know, being obviously from an entirely different era means that I hold different rock bands, um, you know, in reverence. Yeah, sure. This is not one. Um, you know, Clapton's not one. But they do have a few certified banger songs, which no one can deny. But the album cover has a bit of an eyesore quality to me. <laughs> um, I just find the color to be overwhelming and really oversaturated. Yeah. It's just too busy for me. Yeah, but to put that in a little bit of context of the time, that's, what, that's what posters were. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, you could go into any head shop and there were 30 or 40 new versions of this kind of thing there. And 100%. the fact that, you know, this was Cream. And I would say Cream was one of those groups that blew your mind. And that should be mm. a telltale uh, clue, too, that, you know, it was it was the drug kind of thing. It was, yeah. a, it yeah. was a drug group. And, you know, it, and, you know you're know smoking dope and, and, you know, the riffs would just go on forever, you know, that kind of thing. Or or carry you away to someplace. But that's what, that's what the era was. That's yeah. what Cream was. But Cream was a, a real impact... Uh, band. I oh, think 100%. They were probably the first 
uh, super group that I can think of. Mm, interesting. And, and I think you made some good points there. And I, I don't want to single out Cream because I look at a lot of those, you know, those old hate Ashbury, you know, uh, concert flyers and yeah. i'm not a fan of that aesthetic necessarily <laughs> either there's a yeah. lot of bands that i think captured something a little darker at the time that really draws me but i think ultimately it was a success because i'm talking about it and i'm talking about it kind of passionately so it did its job really well yeah and now you have choices you know back then there wasn't any choice this is what people did you know there was just an era where everything is psychedelic and, yeah. and that's it it's not like you know, you could do this or you could do something else. You know, if, if you wanted a poster, if you wanted a, uh, you know, if you were into hard rock or harder rock, I guess maybe we would say, this is what it was. You know, yeah. it, it was take it or leave it. And, and this, you know, so that was that was the aesthetic of the time. Well, and it's interesting to me because there were so many bands and all of them were bringing something completely different in some cases. And I think Cream certainly did that, but... How aware were you or how aware were most people of this psychedelic tag at the time? I mean, was that just, was that a term thrown around for genre or for era or for vibe? I mean, it's it's easy to revise history. But yeah. if we go back, was this breaking ground? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a confluence of a lot of things. And it was the college thing. It was the anti-war, Vietnam, you know, hippie, uh, let's get high. You know, this is... Uh, this is uh, these are visuals that we think work when you get high. You know the the day glow paint. The, uh, you know all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it, it was just uh, you know it, it was just a thing in an era, but it was a big thing, certainly with the college crowd. Oh, a hundred percent. You know the, this was this was big on all the campuses and all that sort of thing. So yeah, I I, I don't know. I'm I'm not enough of a historian to, to put it into any better context. But yeah, yeah, it's it's very busy. There's a lot in here. And we've played this game before. Yeah. We've played this game before, but um, point at some items on the cover. I'm going to give you my immediate thoughts and reactions. I intentionally didn't read, okay. uh, you know, specifically what items were. So I'll just tell you, as an observer, for the first time. Okay, we're down in the lower left quadrant. Low, excuse me, lower white quadrant. Now I'm wondering what you're seeing here. To me, it always looked like horse hooves formed into a hand. So. Okay. Horse hooves sort of becoming the claw of either a, an old person or, you know, okay. well, you death put, himself. Yeah, you put that in pretty good perspective then because I, I see obviously they're, they're horse hooves. Uh, and, and when you look more closely, you're two, four, six of them. Um, but yeah, um, and that, that always was, you know, creepy. You know, when you look at that, mm -hmm. you know, if, after if you had too much to smoke or something, it looks like <laughs> something that could have hurt you. Uh, let's see. Let me see. How about down here in the lower left quadrant? This there's might a, make you laugh, but a little safe. This to me looks like a microwave filled with eyeballs, and I think <laughs> that is just as effective. Yeah, if you okay. are are uh, you know a, yeah. an hour deep into your trip, that would okay. melt your mind, yeah. so to speak. So that would <laughs> really. Uh, I'm glad I didn't think of it. Well, of course, I would have had to been a genius to think of a microwave back then. That's but, very but, true. You'd but, be uh, I'm glad Nostradamus. I didn't, I didn't think of that. <laughs> At the time, uh, here's a here's an easy one for you. But what's she doing there? I mean, she's looking at herself. I would, you know, it's a woman. Top, I top think left quadrant. Room. Look, looking into the mirror. Right. Yeah. Tell me a little yeah. bit more about that. It's a, it's. Well, I don't a know creepy... about that, but she does. She seems like it's a picture from another era. It looks like a you know 1800s kind of women woman and and this striped. Uh, 
wallpaper in the background and all that stuff. I just wonder, how did she get into this picture? To be yeah, there? it looks like a tin type yeah. photography yeah. Uh, style, if you uh, if yeah. you will. And then we have, you know, the uh, the C plus version of the Mona Lisa right in the middle. So yeah, uh, yeah, there yeah. she is. <laughs> there she is, resting her hands on the flowers and holding that ribbon. And then down there, we got the wings, the drawer wings. So yeah, he he was uh, he, he had some fun with this. Yeah, there was nothing that he threw in the trash. I think when he was making this album cover, you know, yeah, and a lot of amoeba kind of stuff going on too. A lot the, of yeah, circles. And Very true. But you'll have to research things. There's a, there's a bit of Alphonse Mucha, which I think would be uh, interesting for anybody to check out. But mm. you know. I've got my thoughts on Clapton, and I think maybe that's informing a little bit of my opinion yeah, of the Sharp yeah. cover. And that aside, the album certainly has its highlights. But other than that, I'll sum up the album as well as the cover with words from old Mr. Slowhand himself. I'll give you my double surprise. <laughs> well, on that note, we're going out, and we'll see you next time. Later.